guys, welcome back to Aesthetically Displeasing Podcast, where we talk about all things stupid, spooky, and displeasing. I am Melanie. And I'm Nicole. And today is the same day. We still have <laughs> our little guest with us. So if you, hear, if you hear any heavy breathing, it's not me or Nicole. It is the baby. <laughs> you still say, do you say it backwards? Spooky, stupid. Did you do stupid, spooky? I don't know. <laughs> I was just talking to Melanie about how my son weighs, uh, like, now as much as weight I had in addition to when I was pregnant. So when I baby wear him, I don't understand how I did this. He's a big boy. <sighs> so we're in 12 months and he's only nine months old. He's he's a big boy. He's so cute, though. He's big boned and strong. <laughs> he is. He's very strong. Oh, my God. He's grabbing all of our podcast equipment. Oh, my God. Trying to chew on it. <sighs> There he, shouldn't not be. crawling yet, though. No. He can go, he can scoot himself backwards. And in circles. Nice. He knows what he wants to do. So, unfortunately, there won't be any cute baby screaming. It's be baby snoring. Well, okay. we'll see if he wakes up. Anything new? No, I'm just terrified for this 30 story. 30 seconds. It's pretty creepy. I'm pretty <laughs> warm. You are very warm. Got your own <sighs> little personal heat pack on your stomach. Yeah. So, we know some of the things that I like. I like my job, and I like my niece and nephew, but you know what else I really like? What? Messing with my boyfriend. <laughs> I Yes, I know. Um, and so... You know what comes to mind when you say that? What? When you uh, cropped your mom out of <laughs> the Niagara Falls picture. Put oh, my God. <laughs> okay, I didn't, crop, I didn't crop my mom out of... Okay, so you guys know on the new iOS 16 update how you can hold on to something and make it a sticker. Well, my mom went to Niagara Falls, and she sent me this really cute picture of her in front of the falls, and it was just her. And so right after that feature came out, so I long pressed on my mom and made her a sticker, and then I put her in front of a bunch of just different famous places. So... I, I was over here with Nicole and Cody, and I made a picture of her, like, in front of the Taj Mahal and in front of, like, the Leaning Tower of Pisa and stuff, and they looked pretty good. They did, and then you gave it away by putting her with Biden and yes. saying she well, got to meet the governor. Because I sent Logan, my boyfriend, the picture of my mom in front of the Leaning Tower of Pisa. And Logan goes, wait, what? I thought she was just going to Canada. And I was like, oh, no, she got a cheap flight to Italy. And he was like, what? Where else is she going? And I was like, oh, I don't know. She's doing like an eat, pray, love thing. So he was like fully believing me. He was also at the fire station. So he can't look at his phone for longer than like 10 seconds at a time. Yeah. So then I sent him a picture of her inside the space shuttle. (laughs) That was Cody's idea. But then he finally figured it out because I had a picture of her with Biden. And then I said, oh, she got a picture with the governor of New York. And then Logan was like, I hate you. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. But, Sorry. Uh, I'm, like, making a lot of noises over here. I think that was me that just, no, that was me that just made that last noise. I know, but still. That's okay. Um. Yeah. So I was thinking, I was like, okay, so Logan likes spookier stuff. Uh-huh. Perfect. Um. So then I was like, okay, what kind of stuff does Logan like? Okay. Well, he likes hiking and he likes national parks and he likes just like outdoors in general because you know he spent a lot of time hiking the Appalachian Trail and like living on the Appalachian Trail for a little bit when he was younger um he lived on the Appalachian Trail when he was younger yeah for like a month and then he went when we were dating too lived 
Well, like, like he, like, hiked it, but he, like, was out there for a month. Oh. I yeah. was like, okay. I mean, I mean, he lived out there for a month. Like, he didn't, like, they weren't staying in hotels and stuff at night. They were staying on the trail. Ew. I know. Okay. Yeah, his parents said that when they picked him up, like, it was, like, the worst smell that they've ever smelled. <laughs> and they brought Wait, it. how old was he? It was before we dated, so I don't know. Younger. It doesn't really, time doesn't matter before me. <laughs> I don't know. He was, like, 20, 21. I don't know. He's going to text me and be like, I was 17. He wasn't. He was an adult. Well, he's our age, isn't he? No, he is going to turn 28. He's a year and a half older than us. Oh. Just a little bit older than us. He's the same age as Cody. Yeah. Okay. But anyways, so. Sorry. No. So I was like, yeah. So he likes national parks and stuff. Um, So I was like, how can I creep out Logan? Mm-hmm. So I was on TikTok and something Came across my For You page called the Containment Theory. Okay. And I think that this is the best way to make no one want to go into a national park ever again. (laughs) Okay, if this is what I'm thinking of, I'm going to be terrified. So, my sources for this are TikTok. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Reddit. This is part of conspiracy theories. Like, you have no legit... And the missing 411, the hunted documentary. <laughs> nice. You watched it? Yeah, it was just like a one hour documentary. That's really cool. Yeah. So, the National Park Service doesn't keep sufficient records on their vanishings, and in fact, it appears to be hiding information from the public. Strangely, a large percentage of vanishings in the national parks have clues in common berries, dogs, swamps, boulders and bad weather what if theodore roosevelt didn't create the national park systems for the public's enjoyment what if he created it as a means of containment containment of what you'll see the (laughs) national yeah that's close (laughs) the national parks are crisscrossed by a complex and mostly unexplored series of cave systems Monsters such as the Skinwalker and the Wendigo inhabit these caves. Okay, I have seen, I have heard a little bit about this on TikTok. Teddy Roosevelt knew about these creatures and knew that they were hunting people. So he created the National Park Service in order to have special forces contain and hopefully kill these creatures. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. (laughs) Kill them? If he could, if they could. And, and are they just like making deals with these beings? Like, hey, no. Yo. When the national parks were open, mm-hmm. do you know who manned them and patrolled them? No. The army. What? <laughs> no. <laughs> Why? Well, because they had to keep the monsters inside. Okay, but like what? Because the park service and like forest rangers were anything yet. So the only reasonable explanation was the freaking army? Yeah. Not it's police like a surplus. Stations? I bet it was like the, the in, Coast Guard. Wait, okay, wait. When when was Teddy Roosevelt the president? I'm sorry. Oh my God, I don't know. I'm not a history teacher. He was the president from 1901 to 1909. That's, that seems way longer ago than I thought. He was the 26th yeah. president and the youngest president. I was thinking like maybe if it was around another world war, like how did they have... The surplus, but it wasn't, so never mind. 
I don't know when the World Wars were anyways. I know one was in 1945. 1920 and 1940s. Don't quote me on that. Okay, so... They also didn't have helmets. They had the leather. <laughs> yes. In 1901, yeah, they probably did. So, Theodore Roosevelt believed in Bigfoot. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. And I, so he... I do too. Oh, yeah. So he wrote a book called The Wilderness Hunter. And in this book, there's a famous story called The Bawman Story. Because it was told to Roosevelt by someone named Bawman. That's his last name. Okay. So, I'm going to read you that story. This is a story that was told to Roosevelt by a man named Bauman, who's referred to in Roosevelt's book as a grizzled, weather-beaten, old mountain hunter. How did he meet this man? Oh, they probably went hunting together. (laughs) The old mountain man tells the future president that he and an unnamed partner had planned to trap beaver in a remote section of the Montana wilderness near the Wisdom River, which is now the Big Hole River. Other hunters avoided the area after a trapper's mutilated body was discovered sometime (laughs) earlier by a group of miners passing by his camp. But still, the two men, not to be deterred by the stories told of the area, ventured deep into the remote Montana backcountry. There, they made a quick lean-to shelter, and within a few hours of daylight left, made their way up the river to scout. They returned at dusk to discover that their cover had been destroyed and their belongings scattered around the campsite. Thinking it was a bear, they cleaned it up, and Bawman set about making supper. His partner left to investigate some tracks, and what he found could not have been made by a bear, but something that walked upright on two legs like a man, but no man could have left those prints. What? The trapper returned to camp and told his partner what he had discovered. Bawman just laughed it off, but the man was adamant about his findings. The hunters settled themselves into sleep, but it would not be a restful night. Sometime before dawn, Bawman was awakened by the sound of breaking branches and a foul smell. He could see a huge, hulking shape looming in the distance. He fired at it with his rifle, but whatever it was fled into the darkness. The two men built a fire and sat up for the rest of the night. The next morning, they stayed close to each other, working on their traps. Later, when they returned to camp, they again found their campsite destroyed. This time, the men built a more significant fire and agreed the next day that they would leave. In the morning, the sun was shining, and so he and so Bauman and his partner felt foolish for letting their fears get the best of them. So, Bawman gathered the rest of their traps, and then his partner returned to camp to make final preparations. So, they were like, oh, like, mm-hmm. we're so silly. They separated. When Bawman returned, he found his partner's body on the ground with a broken neck and bite marks to his throat. What? To be specific, it was four fang marks. Oh, my God. I'm not going to sleep tonight. And then he fled the scene. That Bauman did? Yeah. So this is just a story that was told to Teddy Roosevelt. Okay, but still. I know. It's super creepy. But, yeah. So Teddy Roosevelt wanted to contain the national parks. I would, too, if I just heard that story. I know. So 
There's also this theory called Missing 411. It's by David Polides, who used to be a really big Bigfoot guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but now he's into missing people. And so David Polides has made his... I just like that you said into missing people. Like it's a nice fad option. No, I'm not saying it was like because it was like speculated that like other people in the Bigfoot community like didn't like him. He was like shunned for the Bigfoot community. I don't know. There's like drama with like cryptids, I guess. Um. So now he. Oh my god, he's written like twelve books. Um. And then he has a documentary that you can find on Hulu called Missing Four One One: The Hunted. I'm watching it tonight. yeah, super creepy. So David Pleades just recognizes that there are a lot of people who have gone missing in national parks. Mm-hmm. And he has never come to a conclusion about anything. And he doesn't even have any theories. And he's told, like, he's told everyone that he's interviewed with that he doesn't want to say definitively why they've disappeared because he doesn't have any evidence to back it up. Um, That's kind of weird for someone who believes in Bigfoot. I know. Well, he doesn't even have enough evidence that Bigfoot did it. <laughs> No, I know, but I'm saying, like, for someone who, like, believes in, quote-unquote, like, oh. outlandish things. Yes, that he wants to have evidence. Yeah. Yeah, that's really funny. So, his big thing with the national park systems is that there are just, like, a mysterious set of circumstances that most of these people disappear under. And mm-hmm. those are, and they don't have to fit every single one of these categories, but most of them. So, it's that canines can't track the scent of the person who has disappeared or they can only temporarily track it and then disappears quickly most of the people who disappear disappear in the mid to late afternoon a lot of them disappear near water this one creeped me out there's usually a weather event shortly after they disappear like a really bad rainstorm or like a really bad snowstorm that disrupts the search Yeah, like, there are a lot of these cases where, like, we feel like they could have found tracks or something, except it rained a whole bunch Uh or snowed a whole bunch. Another indicator, or, like, another one of these, like, profile points is that if a person is found, they're often found in an area that was previously searched and searched thoroughly. Okay. They're also often missing clothing. Uh There's an undetermined cause of death. They might be near berries or another like small type. Are you of... going to discuss all of these? No, I'm just I have so these. many questions. Okay, as do I, and yet I couldn't find very much information about these. Um, another one is that they're near a boulder field. Didn't even know that this was a thing until David Pleades. But we're not really going to talk about David Pleades a whole bunch because we're talking about the containment theory, not missing four one because missing four one doesn't have any answers, and I want to give you guys answers. Yes. Okay, good. And these answers from Reddit and Quora and TikTok. Hell yeah. The best answers out there. Yeah. Very factual. Okay, so I'm just going to give you guys some stories of some of the (gasps) creepy, well, first, some of the really weird disappearances. They're super strange. Okay. I I know, like, when you were saying those, I knew a couple. Oh, yeah. In my head that I was like, there was a kid who went missing and... It's believed that, like, there's no way that they could have really gone anywhere. Their scent got missed. And someone, like, quote, unquote, saw the child up on, like, a plateau with someone unidentified. Creepy. Yeah. Okay. So, the first tale is of 
six-year-old Dennis Lloyd Martin, who disappeared in 1969 in the Great Smoky Mountains. Okay, that might be him. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, that's funny. So, or maybe not. No, I think it is. I don't know. We'll see. So, this first story is of six-year-old Dennis Lloyd Martin, who disappeared in 1969 in the Great Smoky Mountains. So, Dennis's last name is Martin, and when he and his family went camping, they met another family with the last name of Martin, and Dennis and the other little boy started playing hide-and-seek together in the bushes, but when the parents called the boys back to camp and Dennis didn't return, Dennis's dad went to find him. He couldn't find him by himself, so he had to go find help, but as Dennis's dad is running down the hill, a... Uh, It started raining really, really hard. Mm -hmm. At the same time, further down the hill, another family heard a sickening scream and they looked up to see what they thought was a man hiding in the bushes by their campsite. Dennis's father reached the valley and called the police to meet him at the park. um, And then they called the FBI somehow. What? Okay, wait, hold on. Because it's federal? Yes, because it's on federal. That makes sense. But the agent told them to meet them at a different location, which was very strange to the family and everyone involved. Um, The Green Berets showed up and took over the search completely. Yes. It's a little extreme. I know. Dennis's search holds the record for the largest search party in history of this Mm. national park. For more than two weeks, nearly 1,500 people were looking for him. There was never any luck in finding him or anything that could explain what happened to him besides a sock and a shoe. Dennis's dad stayed in the park for two months looking for his son. That's so sad. Um, In researching his book, Polites visited Mr. Martin, the father, um who told Polites that when the other family spotted the man in the bushes, they said that it was carrying something on its shoulder resembling a child. However, none of this information was included in the FBI report. So they told the FBI. The FBI did not include that in the report. (sighs) Okay. Polites was told during his investigation of this case that some wild men lived in the park that the park service had not been able to control. Not been able to control? Yeah. Okay. When you say just that, I think of, like, some weird homeless people just, like, camping out. Not freaking people stealing children. I know. It's really creepy. Wait till we get into that. Oh, okay. This next story is about Stacy Ann Eris. In the afternoon on July 7th, 1981, there was a group of six, including Stacy Ann and her father. Um, they rode into the Sunrise High Sierra Camp on horseback. This camp sits 9,400 feet above sea level and is regarded for its historic significance, being the final stop in Yosemite's Mountain Chalet Loop. It was built in 1961 to make backcountry an alluring destination for tourists, offering stunning wilderness vistas, but also creature comforts like showers and reasonably comfy beds. 
So it's like the first, it was like the first like nice camping spot. Mm-hmm. So like the first like glamping spot. Um, there's also been a lot of people who have parked their cars here and then disappeared. Well, that's weird. Yeah. And she's. Do you have just, numbers on all these? Like how many people have disappeared in a national park? Yeah. If you watch, if you watch the um, missing 411. Okay. He goes into a lot. David Polides goes into a lot. Like there's like clusters. There's like hot spots where people disappear. <gasps> yeah. There's a lot. Oh my God. And like the map of where people disappear matches the map of the underground cave systems. What the fuck? Yeah. It's creepy. So, Stacy Ann told her dad that she wanted to go take a picture of the nearby lake. Um, it wasn't very far. It was just over a hill, and he didn't want to go. The dad said that um, he didn't want to go with her. He was tired. But there was an elderly man from their group who said that he would tag along. But at some point, the 77-year-old man grew tired and sat down to rest. Stacy Ann seemingly determined to reach the water, kept going. Mm-hmm. Back at the camp, the group's tour guide remembered noticing her from afar. He said she was standing on a rock about 50 yards south from the trail. According to a summary of her official cold case file, that was the last time anyone saw Stacy Ann. She vanished that day without a trace, leaving only her camera lens behind. Ew. So she just went over a hill to take pictures of the lake and was never seen again. Oh, my God. Makes me never want to leave my kid out of my sight. I know. <clears throat> this one I called the Boy Scout. This one's just as creepy as Stacey Ann. Okay. And this was in 2004. I just whispered that, but it was just I was scared. <laughs> this one's in 2004. What? On August 20th, 2004. Wait, when was Stacey Ann's? Stacey Ann was in 1981. Okay, sorry. Mm -hmm. Continue. So 1981 to 2004. And there's a lot more. These are just the ones that I I liked the most. Not that I liked them more. It's like I thought that they're they're the spookiest. Yeah. Mm -hmm. On August 20th, 2004, in the Utah Mountains in Utah, 12-year-old Garrett Bardsley and his father Kevin were camping with his Boy Scout troop. Does that sound familiar? Garrett Bardsley? Mm Mm-mm. Garrett Bardsley and his dad got up around 8 a.m. to go fishing at a lake that was 150 to 200 feet from the campsite. Garrett, while they're fishing, Garrett accidentally got soaking wet from the waist down. Accidentally? Like, yeah, like, I don't know if he, like, tripped and fell into the... Okay. Maybe he got a big catch and had to go Absolutely. on the water. Yeah, I, he did something. I don't know. I, I would fall into the water. I also don't know how far 200 yards are. 200 feet. Sorry, 200 so, feet. not far at all. A lot of Subway sandwiches. Yes. 200. <laughs> um, so he actually got soaking wet from the waist down, like pants, shoes, socks, everything. So he told his dad that he was going to go back to the tent to change. Mm-hmm. Since they were so close to the tent, his dad let him go alone. He was fully able to see Garrett as he walked um, around the lake towards the campsite and even called out a reminder of which path to take. Then after about 20 minutes, Kevin wondered what was taking his son so long. So he decided to return to the camp um, just to see what was going on. And Garrett was nowhere to be seen. And none of the other Boy Scouts had even seen him arrive at the camp. What? Wait, he saw him arrive at the camp? No. No one saw him arrive at the camp. So he had to go around um, the lake and then through the trees to get to the camp. So his dad could see him until he turned onto the trail through the trees. And he got lost in those 
50 to 100 feet. Okay. A huge search of the area with hundreds of official and unofficial searchers ensued and lasted for nine days. The campsite was less than a quarter mile from the lake on a well-established path that connected with another road a quarter mile away. Mm-hmm. So it was strange that no one saw Garrett come back to the camp and um, and he was in his dad's sight. Someone said that they like heard someone say, like, shout out dad. But it was Boy Scouts on a camping trip with their dads. Like, with their parents, so who's to say if it was Garrett that said dad or just another boy's car calling out to his dad? Because they were close enough where, like, if someone shouted dad, they would have mailed here. Yeah. There were Nike ankle socks that were found half a mile from where Garrett was last seen. Garrett's mother, Heidi, said that the socks were Garrett's, but one of the searchers claimed that they were his own. Okay. Yeah. That's weird. I know. The questions build when someone looks into it. The camp base was barely 250 feet away from the lake, and Garrett was in Kevin's sight while walking. And if no one saw him return to camp, then something happened to him on that trail. The police did not miss out on that clue and search the area, but clarify there's no evidence found about Garrett, Garrett being abducted or attacked by an animal. His mysteri- his disappearance is still mysterious and unexplained. So they oh. know that he disappeared somewhere in that trail, but there's no evidence of him being abducted or attacked by an animal. That's nuts. This is my last scary story before I get into the theories. This is called the Sierra Camp. Okay. So this is a camp in the Sierra Mountains, and it's like a secret, not allowed camp. <laughs> that um some friends who? like some hunters um set up this camp in the 50s it was just a group of friends okay that made like a little camps for when they went hunting so that they wouldn't have to set up camp every single time they went hunting oh um the so this is they established it in the 50s the route to the camp is eight miles long with um a four thousand feet elevation change um, this was in the docu- the Missing 401 documentary, and one of the men who camped there said that if you don't know where it is, like, you would never be able to find it. Okay. Um, they really liked that site for the camp because it was really remote. There were a lot of animals there, um, and there were freshwater springs nearby, so it was perfect. Um, they had it over the years, and just, like, friends and family were able to use it, and it was a really disciplined camp. They said that um, they didn't allow any alcohol or anything there. A land that wasn't theirs. They, like, demanded no alcohol. Yes. Well, because they didn't want to, I think they want to get caught. Because <laughs> you're not allowed to, like, because it's in a national park. Like, you're not allowed to set up establishments. Um, so what they did, they set okay. up, like, uh, like, a stone fire pit and, like, mm-hmm. a big shelter. And, like, they built things on federal land. Oh, Yes, okay. so they were not supposed to. The hunters mm-hmm. would go to bed. As soon as it got dark, because there were always strange sounds. Mm, I don't like that. So it was tradition that they would go back into their little thing, back into like their shelter at night. Um, they also had kind of a door for this shelter, and it was basically the trunk of a tree. Okay. So I'm going to play you the sounds um. that they heard. 
I'm just going to pause it right there really fast. The whooping sounds that you hear closer are the hunters, um, like, calling back to the sounds. I was so going to ask that. Yeah, so the whoops that are close are humans, and then the far away, like, whoops that are answering are like whatever the creature is. Whoops. <laughs> Sounds like laughing. That's not them, is it? No, that one was not it. What the hell? Yeah, that was... That, like, made my skin crawl. So, they sent this to a... uh, I don't know, sound analysis. Mm-hmm. Um, and it revealed that the sounds were made by a creature physically larger than a man based on the size, pitch, and sound estimated between 7 feet 3 inches and 8 feet tall. Um, there's also more than one creature that could have been, that was recorded. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the frequency found... The frequencies were lower than a human. Okay. And it says their distribution does not indicate that they were a product of human vocalizations or speed alteration. And it, and they said that so it's there's... saying like they, this wasn't fake. That it wasn't faked, yeah. And then it also says there's no evidence of it being pre-recorded or tampered with. So it wasn't like made by humans and like slowed down or sped up. Right. Okay. Um, so really, really creepy. Um, the hunters said that they could um they could tell where the sounds were coming from, but they could never see anything. Um, another thing that happened was that do you know what like a tuning fork sounds like? Mm-hmm. So they said that um sometimes they would hear that over them at camp. Over them? Yeah. Like above Above them like someone had a giant tuning fork over their camp and then hit it and they could hear that tone just vibrating and vibrating and vibrating um when i get really scared i feel like i'm gonna cry and i feel like i'm gonna cry right now oh my god um (laughs) well we're also sitting here in a dark room they um often felt like they were being watched sometimes when they were inside of their shelter they could hear their camp being destroyed like all their belongings thrown everywhere, just stuff being tossed around. Um, but then when they would come out in the morning, nothing would be moved. What? Mm-hmm. Um, they saw orbs floating in the air. They saw a blue ball that was slowly moving in the air, but they said that it looked like it was being controlled. Like, like a it drone? wasn't yeah, like it wasn't slowly drifting, like it was being controlled and moving around. There was Another thing, they did like a little recreation of it in the documentary, which I'm really glad that they did because it's hard to picture. Um, Yeah. But my interpretation of the recreation 
was, so they said there's a rod of light that they could see moving slowly and controlled through the trees. It looks like a lightsaber. That's what it looks like, a rod of light. Looks like a lightsaber without the handles, just like Weird. gliding through the trees. Super creepy. So the, oh gosh, I don't know what year. Um, so the Forest Preserve did discover their camp and made them take everything down. Yeah. And then in. I don't know why they even stayed there I to know, begin with. Since the 50s. So in 2018, when their belongings were, uh, weren't there anymore, they were affected by the wildfires. But the camp and the surrounding trees were completely unharmed. Mm, don't like that. Yeah. Okay, so some theories. Sorry, my kid keeps slapping his head on my microphone. <laughs> so these theories are from um, Reddit and Quora and stuff. Mm-hmm. The first theory is portals. Oh, no. David Polides told us about clusters where many disappearances take place. And this is, I'm quoting someone else. Um, So someone else says that they think these portals, that these clusters are actually portals to a different dimension. These portals are like gates in a medieval city. If they're closed, no one can leave or enter. If they open, not only can people leave, but people can enter. Most of the time, the portals in the clusters are closed, you can walk all over that area with a large group of over 100 people and nothing will happen and no one will disappear. But when the portals open up, it is a distinct possibility that someone will disappear. <laughs> Just watching each other flop around. terrifying. It's super creepy. So this person thinks that the portals are just a natural phenomenon. So kind of just like another dimension. Okay. Um, the portals. I'll allow it. That's terrifying though. I know. Okay. So the portals open up if the right conditions are met. Synchronicity between the meteorological conditions, astronomical conditions, and atmospheric conditions. David Polides talks about the presence of water, rocks, and berries. When the, ne- when the necessary conditions are met, the portals open. People in the vicinity can even feel this phenomenon. They feel strange, weird, and weak. When they talk to a loved one on the phone, they don't feel well, but they cannot accurately describe what is happening. So this is, or here, let me read the next point, because this is something that I like. They also mention in the documentary a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, people notice the total absence of animal sounds. Oh. So everything goes silent. And that's something they do talk about on in the documentary a lot is mm-hmm. like people get like this really uneasy feeling in the national parks and then they all of a sudden can't hear any animals anymore. Yeah, that's creepy. I even saw a video, I, it was on TikTok, um, of this woman walking and then all of a sudden she couldn't hear anything anymore, like hear any animal noises mm-hmm. or anything. And then she looked up and there was a bunny sitting there and the bunny wasn't even moving. So everything became like completely still, still? for a minute. Oh. When the missing person enters the portal, they are either teleported to another dimension or teleported to another space in our dimension. Okay. This is why we find children, 
far away from when they went from where they went missing mm-hmm. without any scratches or anything. That makes sense. Yeah. Oftentimes a victim doesn't just find the per- the portal, they are led into it. So something non-human oh, no. uses the portal to alter the consciousness of the victim and lures them into it. This is the explanation for why missing people um, disappear without making any sound. And there's like there's no screaming heard and there's no signs of a struggle. That's absolutely terrifying. In their altered state of consciousness, either they cannot resist heading for the portal or they are guided by their erroneous and artificially induced belief that they have made up their minds to go for a walk and just choose that direction themselves. There is no struggle because there's no one to struggle with. David Pleadies himself told us on his YouTube channel that missing people are sometimes found by people who head straight for the location of the missing person, even if there's no reason reason at all to search that location. It is as though that person is guided to find the missing person. So David Pleadies said this on his YouTube channel, I guess. I don't like it. Creepy. Wait, so do you have any stories of people who were found? No, I didn't think those were as creepy. I don't think they're creepy either, but like how long until they were found? I don't know. That's just. I don't know. People, makes me want to deep people dive. also say. Okay, well, I tried. People also say that like they know that they're. There was, like, a woman who disappeared in the woods for a week, and then when she was found, she had, like, no scratches on her, and she was, mm-hmm. like, well-fed. And then, like, there's always that story that, like, the kid was found, and they had, like, a belly full of berries, and they didn't look like there was anything wrong with them at all. Weird. But I don't think any of those are true. Um, so this portal phenomenon works the other way around, too. Other dimensional beings, like Bigfoot, can enter or leave our dimension through the portal... And temporarily live in our woods and forests. The reason that experienced tracker dogs are afraid and unwilling to do their job, um, or like, like they can get mm-hmm. skittish around the area, is because they can feel the opening of the portal. Oh my god! I don't. Yeah. Like that. Even people who are found alive cannot explain what happens to them because how can you explain another dimension? creepy um one child was described one child described having been held in a cave and his grandmother was there too but she turned out to be a robot and there were many other robots in the cave that's what this child that's what this child says that sounds like a very typical child story (laughs) it is logical to assume that creatures entering our dimension through the portal interact with the missing person and either directly or indirectly cause their eventual death. So, why are people found in places that have been searched thoroughly so many times? Because they were there the entire time, just in another dimension. Oh my god. This has a very uh, stranger things. Yeah, it it definitely does. Um, at last, when the conditions change back to their original status, the portal closes. I don't like this at all. Okay, so another theory is um, ghosts or demons 
Um, so I played you guys the Sierra sounds from earlier, and a lot of people think that um, they're saying the word evil um, oh, and okay. that they're demonic voices that are speaking, obviously. Um, there's also a lot of stories about people witnessing orbs. Oftentimes people will see the orbs and nothing else happens, but other times sinister occurrences take place. One woman had an orb circle her faster and faster while it demonically cackled. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my goodness. Oftentimes people who experience scary phenomena in these woods also hear a blood-curdling scream like they've never heard before. One man described it as sounding like a demon being dragged back into hell. I really don't like this at all. Another thing that is present in many stories is that people feel as though they're in a trance and they're being led deeper and deeper into the forest, but at some point realize what's happening and they turn and run back. This happened in a recent account of two girls witnessing a beautiful waterfall and one says to the other, I feel like if we don't turn around now, we'll never get to come back. What? Yeah, that's really creepy. Um, lastly, there's a lot of knocking. Um, and anyone who likes scary movies and stuff know that like demons like to knock. Many people have reported I hearing did not know that. You didn't know that? No. Okay, well if you hear three knocks, it's a demon, sorry. Oh fuck. Many people reported hearing knocking on trees often in three-knock increments. Um, so if you ever hear knocking, don't knock back because you're inviting them in. <gasps> oh, my God. I always get scared because Cody, when he's in the garage, he'll knock at me and I'll knock back. Yeah. Never doing it again. One day it might not be Dakota. I'm going to cry. It's really creepy. It's really creepy. Okay. Here. I'll lighten it up a little bit. We can also turn on the light in this room. We also don't have to sit in the dark while we listen to this story. Okay. Okay. Another theory is feral people. Hey, (laughs) I like this one. Popular in social media, (laughs) like Reddit and TikTok. Feral people are believed to taunt and stalk campers or hikers in the wilderness of national parks for their own enjoyment. They're also believed to have cannibalistic tendencies with many people perpetuating this idea due to the alarming amount of people who have gone missing. Mm-hmm. They're said to throw things at visitors, yell at them, laugh, or even scream late at night to try to startle them. While there is no evidence currently that can prove <laughs> that there are feral people with cannibalistic tendencies that live in national parks, it is a possibility. This is the one I see on TikTok all yeah, the time. Yeah, me too. Which I don't know why when you said feral at first, I thought like infertile. No, they're I know incest what, no, people. I, I know what you mean, but I was like, oh, so they're just like trying to take people's kids. No, no. So people say that when the national parks got turned into national parks, there were people who lived um, in these areas and they were told to leave and they didn't. So they just stayed in the woods and hid and over and over, they've become more and more disconnected from society. So now we just have feral people. Gross. Yeah, which I could believe that. I like believe anti-establishment it. people. Hey, maybe if we, I don't know, tried to help the homeless, this wouldn't be a problem. This reminds me a lot of Wrong Turn, which you guys just showed me. Oh, shit. Well, you were asleep. 
Oh, I've but seen, me and Cody watched it. I've seen Wrong Turn before. But that's what it reminded me of was Wrong it's Turn. It's creepy. I also don't like the movies where, like, there's an airplane that lands in the middle of nowhere. And they go and find this tribe. And they're, like, yeah. so happy. And then it's, like... What's that one called? Green Inferno? Green Inferno. Yeah, I don't like that one. That one's like, they said like they're trying to help them. That one's stupid. Another theory is skinwalkers. Skinwalkers really scare me. Me too. Not also, you're also not supposed to say the name. Oh, okay. Um, I'm actually going to do an entire episode on skinwalkers, so I'm not going to go deep into what they are, because I'll do that at a different episode, but these okay. are just a couple of stories of skinwalkers. These are from Reddit. Two friends and I were riding four-wheelers around 10 p.m. one night. We'd been riding on an abandoned road. We were at a large clearing where there were three pine trees close together in a triangle, probably about four feet apart, and we got the bright idea to build a fire in the middle. One of my friends doesn't believe in paranormal stuff, so he kept whistling to mess with us. Um, Skinwalkers will whistle at you and try to get you to whistle back. I'm stressed out because Dakota also whistles a lot. Yeah, that's bad. My other friend, we'll call him S, and I kept hearing some sort of scream after the other friend, who we will call K, would whistle. He would whistle for about 15 seconds, and then there was a high-pitched scream slash screech after every one. He finally got himself so scared that we decided to leave. On the way back to the main road, there is about a three-fourth mile long stretch of nothing but tall grass, about four feet tall, on both sides of the road. You can see nothing past the tall grass. Then, there was a tall, solid white figure that stood above the grass, about seven feet tall. It had no limbs, no eyes, nothing. It just hovered beside all of us for about ten seconds. I'd love to know what this figure may have been. I'm fairly sure that it was the last time I was out there after dark. It was terrifying. Um, This is another one. This is a girl who lives in the, um, the Appalachian Mountains. She lives in the Appalachian Mountains? Like lives like around it. Yeah. Oh. Okay. So she wrote on Reddit, it's been happening for about two months now, but every time I'm outside alone, day or night, I can hear someone calling my name long and drawn out, almost sing song like. Amanda. It's not the same voice Why every time. That, <laughs> <laughs> it's not the same voice every time, <gasps> but it does sound like a relative each time. And I have none that live close to me. I was outside putting things in my car one morning, and in the thicket behind me, I heard huge branches snapping and a lot of commotion among the trees but as soon as i turned toward the noise it became dead silent i have chills all over my body i know all right another theory is bigfoot and these are hi buddy these are sightings from national park so this one is from yosemite one encounter happened when a camper was woken up while sleeping in his tent at the park. He ran out of his tent screaming in hopes that he would scare off whatever had wandered into his camp. Instead, the camper was met by Bigfoot, who let out an even louder scream than the camper before running off. <laughs> so this camper runs out like, ah! 
And then Big was like, rah! <laughs> and they scare each other. No, yeah, I don't know if Bigfoot got scared too or what. Um, this one's in Mount Shasta. In 1976, a camper thought that a ranger had walked past his camp, but really, it was Bigfoot. Nice. <laughs> da, da, da. We got to see if Trevor has any of these stories like this one. I cannot work wait. I know. Or he gets taken. Um, there's another report in 1962 from Mount Shasta. A woman said that she saw Bigfoot giving birth. Nice. <laughs> To um, a little Bigfoot. Yeah, to, to a small foot. Um, in the Everglades National Park, Bigfoot is known as skunk ape because people can smell him before they see him. Nice. So this is where the Bigfoot cousins are the stinkiest. Um, people who have seen the skunk ape or Bigfoot reported. <laughs> that's what it's called. That's what they call him, the skunk ape. I, I know. It's just funny. <laughs> Um, he is reported to be fast, agile, and aggressive. One sighting was by two men and their dogs that encountered him in the eastern Everglades. Their dogs followed the creature's scent down a road only to come running back a few minutes later, jumping in their cages in the back of a pickup and refusing to come out. One of the men walked up the road and encountered an eight-foot-tall ape-like creature with red eyes. After he shot at it, there was a loud uproar from the forest next to the road and what sounded like a stampede of elephants. I like that he's making sound effects. <laughs> Me too. Thank you. Each thing a you stampede see. of when elephants. You said, when you said screaming, he was screaming. And then you said elephants, he went. <clears throat> Good job, buddy. Um, in Bluff Creek in Northern California, that's where the um, Patterson Gremlin film was shot, the Bigfoot video. Oh, I don't, I don't know anything really about Bigfoot. I'm You'll know the video when you see it. Um, there were two men. So this is the supposed film. There were two men riding horseback through the woods when they rounded a bend on um, Bluff Creek and saw Bigfoot. Um, they recorded it, and that's what made it famous. Um, so I'll show you that because it's like the grainiest picture of a guy in a suit. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's in Northern <laughs> California. Um, Years previously in Northern California, there was a man driving on a logging road when he came upon an ape-like creature that he described as an ogre that attacked him when he exited his car to remove brush from the road. The creature circled him several times before leaving, only to return at full charge. The man got into his car as quickly as possible and drove away as the creature clawed at his car. Sorry. Okay, now that we put baby in the corner. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. This last story, mm-hmm. this last theory is the fuzzy man. The fuzzy man. And this... Fuzzy Wuzzy was a bear. Yep. And this is um, a story that was told to someone who then posted about it on Reddit. Okay. A family had been out berry picking in an area of a forest that was very close to the entrance of a national park. They had two little boys, both under the age of five, and at some point during the day, one of them vanishes. There's an absolutely massive search, and they find nothing. It's another one of those cases 
where it's like the kid was never even there in the first place. They can find no evidence. Their dogs just sit down and don't pick up any scent. No trace of the kid is found. The search goes on for about two months, but is eventually called off. Fast forward to six months later. The family comes back to place flowers at a memorial that's been placed there for their child. They bring their other son. While they're placing the flowers, they lose sight of their son for about three seconds. And in that span of time, he vanishes into thin air. Now, obviously, the parents are devastated. It's awful enough to lose one child, but to lose two is beyond imaginable. This search is huge. Again, one of the largest in the state park history, or in the national park history. There are about 300 volunteers combing every inch of this park looking for the kid. But again, there's no trace of him. The search goes on for about a week with people looking miles from the part of the park that he vanished from. And then, almost two weeks later, a volunteer about 15 miles from the designated search area radios that he's found one of the sons. They assumed that the child was dead, but the volunteer says that not only is he alive, he's in good shape. A team goes out to recover the kid, and when they get there, they can't believe that this kid has been missing. His clothes are clean, there's no dirt on him anywhere, and he doesn't even appear traumatized. The volunteer says that he found the kid sitting on a log, playing with a little twig bundle that's bound together with some old rope. She asks where he's been and who he was with for these last two weeks. And the kid tells her that he's been with the fuzzy man. Mm-hmm. Now this searcher firmly believes in Bigfoot. So she gets yeah. all excited and asks what he means by fuzzy. Was he hairy? But the kid says no. He wasn't hairy. He was a fuzzy man. And he describes a man that's blurry. Like when you close your eyes, but oh. not all the way closed. Oh my god. He says the man came out of the trees and took him with him deep into the woods. The child says that he slept in a hollow tree and the fuzzy man gave him berries to eat. My friend asks if the man was mean. Because remember, this is being told like by a friend. Mm -hmm. Um, If he was mean, if he scared the kid. And the kid says, no, he wasn't scary. But I didn't like how he didn't have eyes. (gasps) Oh my God. When they got back to the headquarters with the kid, a cop tells him to, or a cop takes him into town to talk to him more about what happened. One of the searchers is friends with the cop that talked to him, and the cop described the kid, or describes that the kid said that he was kept in this tree by the fuzzy man and given berries whenever he was hungry. He was allowed to wander around a very specific clearing, but when he tried to go further, the fuzzy man would get mad and yell real loud, even though he didn't have a mouth. When the kid, what? When the kid got scared at night, the fuzzy man made it brighter and then gave him the twig bundle. He said the fuzzy man was going to keep him, but he had to let him go because he wasn't the right kind. The what do you child, mean? What do you mean the right kind? He wasn't the right kind of child. <gasps> The child either can't or won't elaborate more on that. The cops are just sort of left scratching their heads, and the search for his brother is renewed with no results, and the kid has no idea where his brother might be, and they never find him. 
Oh my god. The Melanie? End. No. Oh, that I'm sorry. Those the, are the answers. That is the containment theory. I'm just saying that. Okay, so one thing that really terrifies me is like sex trafficking of children. Yeah. And all of that terrifies me. I know. That's very creepy. So it's portals or demons mm-hmm. or feral people or skinwalkers mm-hmm. or Bigfoot mm-hmm. or the fuzzy man. Mm-hmm. Those right. are your options. Those are the only reasons. Those are all of the reasons why you shouldn't go hiking in a national park. You know what? Thank you, Melanie. I will never go hiking. <laughs> Good. <laughs> That was my goal. That's freaking terrifying. I know. Before Logan went to the Appalachian Trail, um, it was actually like camping for Cody's birthday. And um, it was before we went to sleep. Like everyone was going to sleep and we weren't tired. So I went onto Reddit and found like Appalachian Trail horror stories and read them to him. <laughs> what did he do? He was like, please stop. I have to go sleep there by myself. Well, maybe he shouldn't go. Well, he already went those three years ago. I know, but like. He's okay. He only saw like a few bears. I thought you were going to say a few skinwalkers. Oh, God, no. Did you have fun, Alexander? Do you have any words for the viewers, the listeners? They're not viewers. Just all the bangs. Say sorry that I was a little disruptive. (laughs) It's okay. Mommy will edit it all out. <laughs> I will definitely try. Nice. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Yes, thank Don't get you. too scared in the woods now. Um, you can follow us on um, Facebook at Aesthetically Displeasing, on Instagram at Aesthetically Displeasing Pod. You can email us at Aesthetically Displeasing Pod at gmail.com and give us um, a good rating anywhere that you get your podcasts. Yes, please go rate us, review us, comment, share. Please, please, please. Talk to you next time. All right. Bye, guys. Bye.